What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. Thank you so much for making this podcast your first go-to for NBA coverage. Remember, you're on YouTube. You like what you're hearing. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us a comment. You're listening on Spotify. Drop that review. Give us a follow. You do that, and we'll keep producing that content. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the ESPN 100 list that uh, had a few surprises on it, and uh, we're going to be discussing that. We'll be talking about the Chet versus Wemby battle and the race for Rookie of the Year this year. And we'll finish off, we're going to be talking about some fantasy NBA sleepers. So if you guys are playing fantasy out there, maybe check these guys out. They could uh, they could really shake up your teams this year. Before we get into it, though, Chris, how are you doing, man? You good? Pretty good, dude. We got some actual basketball to look at. Um, now we can move on from our summer league ridiculous projections to overreacting to preseason. And pretty soon we'll be overreacting to the first three games of the season and be making all sorts of crazy uh, recommendations like who should have on your fantasy team and whatnot. But I am very excited. Are we going to start off with Chet and Wemby? Because that that was our homework this week to take a look at them. And they they got me excited. Wemby got me excited. Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's do it. Chet versus Wemby was the was technically a number one versus number two overall pick uh, battle. Obviously, Chet went in the previous draft, but uh, this is still his rookie year. And the two of them, they they really look like they just went out there and both of them knew who they were playing against. They're like, right, let's go out and show show what we can do. Show that I'm a I'm the top dog here. And it was a it was a really fun fun performance from the two of them to see, especially in a preseason game. And it really has you excited to think that. I think they face up again November the 14th, and I'm like, I'm marking that on my calendar. I want to watch that game. Yeah, yeah. I think the first thing that jumped out to me about both of those players is comfort level. And especially with um, a lot of the critics talking about their size, how comfortable they'd be in the NBA, especially playing at the four or the five, playing down low with, with their, you know, they just got slight bodies or too tall. They got injured. We saw Chet get injured the first time he played up against LeBron. And everyone's like, see, players like that aren't going to last. The, the comfort level they had with their skill set was just so obvious. And yeah, it's preseason, but you're playing against NBA talent. And this is the first quarter. It's not like fourth quarter, 10 minutes in, you're playing against like third string guys. They looked like they belong there and they looked like their skill set matched exactly what both their teams are trying to do. And it, it was just awesome to see. There, there wasn't, I didn't come away from watching them having a lot of questions about, you know, what they what this team is going to need to do to adjust to them and they they look like the real deal mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure i mean like i was watching that game and, and just see the two of them going going back and forth and thinking like this could this could genuinely be like a real battle like we saw like the lamello lebron james back in 0304 like that sort of level of competition in terms of the level of rookies that could be in the, the league this year and not like obviously not forgetting scoot henderson as well but these two really have that that element of talent. And one thing that I really liked about Chet is that he had two looks, I think, open from three, nailed them both. And I think that's a, a an element that's going to really help this OKC team, that he's going to spread the floor. You're going to have to respect him. Like, if you give him open shots, he'll hit them. If he's under pressure now, maybe he'll probably he'll probably struggle a bit, especially in his rookie year. But if you leave him open, he will he will punish you. And that's going to be great for the, the Thunder because the guys like Jalen Williams and Shea really like to get in that paint as well. And if Chet's spreading the floor, that's really going to work for that team. And you, you see them both, obviously, both had 20 points. Uh, Chet, obviously, was nine boards as well. Went two or two from three, had a block. Wemby, 20 and five, two steals and a block. And just watching the variety that he had his offense and, and the handle that he had uh, for the guy that his size, it's just, it's really scary. But it, it was definitely a, an inch, insight to Chet as well that what he can do. Obviously, it's not a, a, a realistic one, maybe, because uh, Shea wasn't playing in that game. So maybe he won't have as much freedom as he did there uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But I think what we saw from Wemby, it's uh, it's very interesting, especially how quickly he was getting up the floor. Did you notice that when the way he was oh running the floor? God. Yes, that was obviously he can get up there in like five steps, which helps. But uh, the fact that he was uh, that was the first thing. Every time there was a rebound, every time there was a turnover, he was straight up the other end of the floor. And it's going to be interesting to watch if that continues throughout the seasons. Yeah. Um, and both of them, like everything you mentioned is like, they're, they are so similar in their skill sets. I think one thing that sets them both apart is the, the ball handling. Cause I mean, you look at Chad, I mean, his ball skills are great for a big man and his shooting off the dribble for a big man is, I mean, name another seven footer that's shooting off the dribble. Well, Webanyama, that's, 
that's pretty much it um and the pace too it, we, we started talking about uh the spurs last week and how surprisingly they're number one in pace and Wemby is absolutely going to drive that and i think they're going to be right up there this year i think it's going to be a major point of emphasis for them just seeing it on the floor in action and the fact that he not only is taking up the floor but he's getting ball screens <laughs> he's he's legitimately you know facilitating this offense from the perimeter like a playmaking wing and not just it, i mean it's 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 crazy to me that there's going to be so many so many you know strategies on how to stop him and then trying to to take away that perimeter attack from Wemby because he can legitimately handle the ball well enough to like play a pick and roll to to get these uh dribble handoffs and that that's what really surprised me you know Chet if you watch Chet against any other big man like he would really shine and all the things that he's doing is going to shine because he's doing a lot of the same things he's taking the ball he's taking up the court and he's you know attacking a mismatch he's getting all the way to the rim he's gonna do like a, a give and go like there's a lot of actions that he is able to get to dynamically as a big man but Webb and Yama just takes it to a whole other level um so I, I think it's one thing that's interesting about this matchup in particular looking forward into the future is that Webb and Yama is going to be that kind of guy that you need to as a team who's going to compete in the future figure out how to defend and most importantly figure out who you draft or who you trade for to try to build a defense against him just like you need to have a defense built around Giannis you need to have a defense that can somehow figure out Jokic and Embiid you need to have a guy like Chet Holmgren and OKC a team that's young that's like looking to compete within the next three four years they have that guy Chet Chet is probably one of the very few players you can go one-on-one against women Yama and you feel comfortable and I, I can't think of many others outside of you know an Anthony Davis a Giannis that's going to be able to really match up with his size and perimeter ability yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's why you think that this could genuinely be the, the birth of a rivalry, not just as, as two rookies, but two guys who are hoping to be obviously the one or two star of a of a team looking to looking to win titles in the in the West over the next over the next three, four years, which is it's gonna be really exciting and, and that to to see that in preseason then like looking forward to them playing that playing those few games during the regular season, that there's gonna be really exciting battles there and it's gonna be great to watch these two as they move through their rookie campaigns. One thing I really liked about Chet that I noticed is saw it on both ends, his ability to kind of withstand the contact. Obviously he had a couple of and ones where he just went through guys and, and on the defensive end as well. He was they're trying to bully him in, in inside and he just stayed up straight and got, got the block in. So that that was obviously a good sign. It's obviously something you worry about when just when a guy's a rookie and especially when it's such a lean body that he has. But if that's something that that is sustainable throughout the year, obviously it might be a little bit different when he's going up against the likes of a of an Anthony Davis or or a, or a LeBron or someone of that nature, but even if it can hold up a, to a pretty solid level, that's a big plus for for a rookie and Chet that obviously OKC are looking to build a, build their defense around. In terms of the race then for rookie of the year, what 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 are you looking at there? I mean, for me, I I was obviously I've I've tooted the horn of, of Chet over the last while, but I think watching that game and then even watching the game against the Heat last night. I think the only thing that's stopping Webanyama is if his shot doesn't hold up. I think that's the, the only thing that's really stopping him. The, the game against the Heat was so was was hilarious because it it's it like on both ends of the floor the things he does at that size is is so funny because again Chet's an amazing player for what he does um, and and I think he he has a defensive player of the year written all over him and I, I do think that just to stand Chet for one second. That you know, you mentioned if he's gonna have that much freedom with Shea, I I do want to disagree with that a little bit. I I think that you know what Shea is gonna bring is gonna even amplify that more. Just the way that Chet spaced the floor, he knew where to be at all times. You know the way he's following shots, getting offensive rebounds, the way he's cutting into open lanes that are gonna be created by Shea. The way he really understands the system and where he needs to space the floor and how he needs to play in the open court. I I think that's gonna continue to complement all their playmakers. And all that said, I, I think Chet should be like a rookie of the year in, in most cases. Women Yama is just like a he's if things go right for him this season, I, I don't see why he's not like a top fifteen player. I'm like seriously, like it's if if he can play the minutes, we'll, we'll see if he can. If he's playing like 30 minutes a game, like and he's not getting injured, 
and the way he's still getting boards, the way he's going to be getting blocks, the way he's going to be hitting threes, the way he's going to be facilitating this offense. Like, as a rookie, that, <laughs> there's no question. There's no race. Right now, there's no race. No, no, nobody else is is going to come close. Um, and I'm, I'm laughing at the Heat game because, you know, we, we already got a taste of what he he does, you know, at his freakish size. Like the, the, the alley-oop where he just gives and goes at the perimeter, and he's immediately calling for the alley, like, one step from the three-throw line, and he just – I think he, I want to say he like took off from the free throw line. He barely even jumped. He just hovered and he just put it in. And then the other play where, where he, where he has like a crossover at the wing and he just basically teleported to the free throw line in his fadeaway with like three people around him. And there's not anyone within like a foot and a half of his, of his shot. Like stuff like that is, is, you know, when you watch the highlights, in Europe, you're not sure how sustainable that is in the NBA. And it is a preseason. How sustainable is that going to be against, you know, a defense for, you know, the full game, real defense? Maybe not. But the flashes of this, and then the thing that I'm really laughing about is when he's on a non-shooter on the floor and he can float around, nobody can shoot. Legitimately, he, he can actually cover like 70% of the floor. If if you put a non if he's on a non shooter if you don't have five shooters on the floor at a time he you're not going to be able to score on that side of the court and even even then when when the ball swings to the opposite side like he somehow finds a way to disrupt it like by himself he can defend an entire offense so I I don't I don't know man it this all the haters out there who, who are just thinking ESPN was just going too crazy about this prospect like seeing it in person is is pretty. It's just astonishing. You think of the little things where he, uh, you, you always say like, oh, if you get a step on a guy, you usually have a pathway to the rim. You have to get like three steps on Wemby if you're going to get <laughs> yeah. to the rim random because yeah. he, he can just make up the ground and, he, and he's, the length he has, he's going to, he's still going to be able to block you, which is a, uh, which is obviously a, a, a huge deal, but obviously you're thinking, I think it's going to be clear. The only thing I like you said is it's like, it's the, the all round, like the, the shot is the, is, is not there. That's the only thing that's going to let anyone else even probably get votes for, for rookie of the year. I think he's still going to be up there because he's still going to be averaging like 20 and 10 and probably, probably a few blocks as well. Yeah. I don't think Miller and Scoot Henderson, they, they could have solid years, but I don't think they're going to even be in the conversation really. I think it's going to be, be Wemby and then Chet will get a bit of noise. It'll probably be like a month spell where like Chet's Chet's really doing well and Wemby's kind of struggling a little bit. But I think for the most part, it's gonna be a it's gonna be an easy show for Wemby to to to, to claim rookie of the year. I think you're you're in agreement with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you like the the thing you said about you know getting a step on a guy like the play against or uh, Jalen Williams, mm-hmm. um, who's continuing to impress me. Like he's really Jalen Williams. Just to give him a, a little shout out um looks even more confident on the ball and for any other player like he had Wemby turned mm-hmm. like he crossed into the middle and he did like textbook use use the rim as protection was going to finish on the other side of the rim going left and it looked like a surefire like Wemby Wemby was facing the opposite side of the floor by the time Jalen Williams was passing he was passing his hip he was probably two steps ahead of him and no, no one in on the planet should be able to block that shot. Jalen Williams, six foot seven, athletic, reverse layup, and Wemby somehow hits like blocks it at its apex. It had it, it hadn't even come close. <laughs> like when he he was so late to that shot, but somehow was able to block it and like stuff like that. You're gonna see that every single game, and no no one else, no rookie, no one in the league is able to do stuff like that. So. But, yeah, it's gonna yeah. be gonna be insane watch, but it, it's nice to see that at least uh, through the preseason he's uh, he's living up to the hype so far, and let's let's hope it continues because it's a uh, it's a uh, pretty pretty fascinating uh, player to watch and pretty fascinating to see on a on an NBA floor. Moving on, then let's talk about this ESPN 100 list. Obviously, this, I know this is something that you love talking about, Chris. This is these are your favorite things to talk about all the time. But there were some some interesting uh, points here. The 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 main one coming uh, with uh, the position of uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. But let's just lay it out. The top ten, uh, the ESPN ranking, top one hundred. The top ten: Giannis at number one, Jokic number two, Joel Embiid at three, Doncic at four, Curry at five, Tatum at six, Durant at seven, 
SGA at eight, and then finishing it out nine and ten. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Are you more? I, I don't know if I'm more annoyed at, at SGA above LeBron or Giannis above Jokic. I think I think Jokic has earned the right, right to be the number one here. I think uh, as 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 small as the yeah, margins are between him and Giannis, fair. he should have been number one. The the top three, like the top three, are always going to be like su- such margin, like tiny margin for error, and I I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that, and I I think you can you can argue all day about both of them there, and they're they're one and two. That's fine. Um, I sense that you're you're not too happy about where Shea's at compared to LeBron. I just think it's a little bit too soon. I like I I I I can get it, but I think it's just a little bit too soon. I think I think Shea Shea maybe should have been around somewhere like somewhere in like the twelve to fifteen rank. I think some somewhere around there would be a bit a bit more realistic. But at the same time, he could go out and do the exact same as he did last year again this year, and then and then I'll just shut me right up. Not to say that it's a, it's not it's an offense that he's bubbling on or anything like that. It's just I think maybe just a little maybe just a little bit too soon. I would say that I I wouldn't have minded putting Shea over like over Luca. I wouldn't have minded putting him up. I mean, Shea Gilgis Alexander just legitimately had like pro- probably had a, a top. I don't know. It, it it's hard to say position wise, and it's all subjective. But I think all around, he he had a better season than Luca last year. He's he's more he's more efficient. Maybe he's not shooting as many threes, but he he proved to me at least that his youth is not really a factor anymore. Like his inexperience is not a factor, and he's now like cemented himself into this echelon. And he had a more productive year than LeBron. He had a more productive year than LeBron. He had a Michael Jordan esque year last year, and LeBron did not. Now, who was in the playoffs? That's not what this is about. But who's gonna? I think. What's the point of this list? And that the that's that's not a that's not a rhetorical question, um, but it kind of is when you sent it to me. I'm like, what? Why do I? Yes. What? First of all, ESPN said that he's a shooting guard, and that's not even the last. That's not even the last. No, one. no, they, they had they had him as a did point they list guard. Him as a point guard. They had a point guard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I, I thought I read that wrong then, but but Shay, I think the point of this list is very near future so like who is going to be like the best players in the league this year and i would say that shay's going to have more productive year than lebron i think that's a fair thing to say lebron's not going to play as much now is now when lebron if he's rested in the playoffs is he going to take the lakers to a championship am i more confident of that than shay doing that yeah but that's a little bit different than having like a being a more consistently dominant player throughout the year which he shake and do because he's younger. I, I'm I don't have a huge problem with it. I don't have a huge problem with it because I, I think LeBron's not concerned about being a top under player. LeBron's going to be concerned about being ready to take the Lakers to the finals. Yeah, yeah, that's for that. Yeah, yeah. You you've probably made, you've made a, you've made a good argument there. I think that's uh, I think that's that's pretty fair. Anything else in there? The top ten. Don't you just had a Curry? Would that, would that would there be any beef with that? I did. I didn't love that either. And and, and again, maybe. You know, this is projecting. Um, and we say this like every other pod, you know, like is, is Luca gonna finally, you know, put it together to be the face of the NBA this year? We asked it last year, we're asking it again this year. So I mean, putting him there kind of, you know, you you put together that hype of how he looked in, in FIBA physically, and then just assume that that's gonna translate this year, like we did last year. And then that that makes sense. I, I think Luca has a potential to be a better, quote unquote, better, more productive player than Curry. I think again, same thing with Curry and and LeBron, getting the Warriors healthy, having a little bit more help from Chris Paul to, to you know, keep the Warriors afloat during the regular season. Maybe you see Luca have a resurgence. Maybe you see Curry kind of chill out a little bit as they prepare for a more productive postseason. That make that makes sense. I'm not 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 like hugely upset with that i think i think tatum should have honestly been over luca after the season he had yeah i, 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 I think, I think, right. I think celtics fans should be a little bit uh offended at that because i think tatum has proven he's he's going to continue to be the player he is and he has been more productive than than luca on both sides of the court he's, mm-hmm. he's done more to control the game 
on both ends of the floor. Um, and if you talk about his inconsistency, I think the thing with, with Tatum that hurts him is how successful he's been. And then like, he's just held to a much higher standard of like, well, you, you didn't win the, he didn't win a championship. You yeah. fell apart at that, at the biggest stage. Well, we didn't even get to see Luca fall apart at, at the biggest stage. You didn't, he, Luca didn't even have a chance to compete there because his team wasn't there. So, but I digress. Yeah. Don't have a huge problem with, with the top 10. I do agree Shay. though. I, I do. I, I I agree with Tatum line though. I think he definitely deserves to be higher. I did like his position. I did like that he was in mm-hmm. there over over the likes of, of LeBron and Durant. I, I I respected that. I think that was that was the right move. I think. But when you mentioned that he could have been higher, I think I think you're right. I think as a two way threat, and I think this year, I think you could look at it and see that it'll be that way because obviously both players should have MVP level years, but I think Tatum's going to have it and he's going to have it with a number one seed Celtics and the team and, and, and it's going to be doing it on both ends of the floor, which we may or may not see from a, from a Luka Doncic. Before we get into some of the kind of the more outlandish ones and, and some of the things that we, uh, we saw with that list, let's just look at the top threes and see if there's any issues there. So we'll start off with the point guard, top three point guards in the league, Doncic, Curry, SGA. That's fair enough. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have a huge problem with that. No, 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 no beef with Dame not being not being in the top three there. No, we. No, I I don't because you know we'll we'll see what we get out of him defensively. Um, we haven't seen him play in a little bit, and who who are you who are you argue to to kick out of there? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. He, he obviously you're gonna say you're gonna say SGA. He's he's only done it for one year. That's that's that's, yeah. that's the line that, that 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 would work there, but it's not it's not gonna hold up too often. Shooting guard, Booker, Anthony Edwards, Mitchell. I think that's fairly straight cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. you got a beef there? Something, something so we're there. so th- so that when when you kind of like when you kind of are are really like I said, the, the lines are so thin, like who who you're choosing. So Anthony Edwards and Donovan Mitchell is a really interesting conversation. Um I, I'd love to say Anthony Edwards, but I, I don't know what, what do you, what's your bias? Because I know you you love Donovan Mitchell, I know you love Anthony Edwards a lot, and just not not getting too deep into like into what they did last year because I think a lot of that had to do with their team and you know team construct. I think Donovan Mitchell had an ac- excellent year. I think Edwards did the best that he could for the dysfunction there. But uh, what what is their future? Is is Donovan Mitchell? Is he what he is, and he's not going to become more? Probably, probably. And don't like. I believe that Ant will be more. I believe Ant will really become that guy that we have seen Donovan Mitchell fail to become. But at the same time, at this moment in time, the Ant has has not done that yet. So maybe it would probably be fair to maybe say that. That uh Mitchell maybe should be should be above him, but in terms of that point, I think I think you're right. I think Donovan Mitchell is who he is. Maybe with the right growth in that Cleveland team, they could become a team that that get to the Eastern Conference Finals or even make it to the NBA Finals. But we have seen enough of Donovan Mitchell to know that he's going to deliver. He's going to be a really great player in this league. But as a lead guy, who's going to be in the conversation for MVPs and really in the conversation for the best in the league. I think Anthony Edwards has got that ceiling, whereas Donovan Mitchell is just, unfortunately at, at this stage, he's just, he's just not there and it doesn't look like he's going to get the, get, get that jump in him either. That's fair. Um, Small forward position is interesting. Tatum, Durant, LeBron. That's the top three. Butler. Jimmy Butler doesn't deserve to be there. He's right on that, right on the cusp. No, no, no. That that's a question. That's oh, a question. okay. Um, Durant. I mean, I I know this is such this is such a hard thing because like because Durant is the one who who obviously is the more talented player. So what is top again? What does top one hundred mean? Mm-hmm. What does top one hundred mean? J- Jimmy Butler has has been an Iron Man and has brought this Miami Heat team to countless uh, points of being competitive and and I think that he's had a more successful run past five years than Durant has like that that's just undeniable like Durant hasn't been able to be as successful as Butler has from what Butler has done 
on both ends of the floor, being a leader and being committed to this team and like being part of heat culture, all that jazz. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think it would have been more fair to, to Butler for him to be in that top three than Durant, even though everyone knows Durant is, is quote unquote, the more talented player. What, what does that brought? I, I get that point. But one thing I will say is that, that Durant is still the type of player where it kind of begins and ends with him, whether it's success or, or failure, it's, on on Durant's shoulders, that's the same with LeBron. That's the same with Tatum. With Jimmy Butler, as much as he is the lead guy, and as much as he is the guy that's the difference maker for the Miami Heat, I still think there's an element of almost surprise, and we're still we're still really impressed when he does these great things in the playoffs. And it's not a question of oh Jimmy failed when the Heat don't when the Heat don't get the job done. It's not it's not that question. It's how great he ha- he was to get them to that position. I think that's the that's the, the the kind of mindset I would have when when you think of why Jimmy's not in the in the top three there. I know, and that's the net. I I think that's that's all narrative. So I I think just mm-hmm. being like just being like real, like like what what are these players actually doing? And that's the thing with with why like I'm fine with Shea being in the top ten because he he earned that, like he earned being there. Like um, talking earning it, then I think yeah, you think you could definitely make the argument that that especially with that playoff run last year, that Jimmy Jimmy should definitely be. Definitely in the top, if not the top ten of the list as a whole, definitely in the top three when it comes to the small forward position. That's that's for sure. Yeah, but yeah, like looking, I, I always love seeing Jimmy on these lists though, because like, um, like I bought I bought Jimmy Butler's jersey his rookie year because I love like he was just like a scrappy player, and like he he was the he was the rookie that, um, I remember this was like one of my favorite first stats like. Uh, he held the bronze like the lowest like shooting percentage compared to anyone else who defended him back when he played on the Heat. And to see him evolve in the player he is today, and it is true, like, you know, it does start and end with Durant, because, like, a guy like him, you know, he is that guy that if he plays to his best, like, you would trade Jimmy Butler straight up for Kevin Durant. Like, you play that game, who is the better player. But Jimmy Butler has also, like, just, it, it's cool to see that he's brought himself to this level of player where he's being, where I can talk about, like, all right, Durant or Butler, I don't know, because mm-hmm. you, you've seen what what Jimmy's been able to do and you can actually make an argument before it was like, is is he maybe close to James Harden? And then James Harden pulls away. But now like, there's no question. Jimmy Butler's had such a sustained run of success that I don't think a lot of stars have had over the past five, six years. Yeah, for sure. And obviously the biggest, the biggest regret of the Philadelphia 76ers life is uh, letting Jimmy go and signing Tobias Harris. That was just, wow. (laughs) Well, I'm still never going to get over that. I'm sure Jimmy's probably happy enough being out in Miami. He's had way more success than the 76ers had, but if he had stayed in Philly, I believe they would have at least made it to a, they would have at least made it to a finals, I think. Power forwards then, Giannis, Anthony Davis and Sabonis. I mean... Sabonis and, and, and Anthony Davis are centers, but they were listed as power forwards. So the top three power forwards in the league, obviously Giannis is number one. We know that. And then you got Davis and Sabonis. If you think of them as power forwards, then I guess it's a it's a fair list. But for the let's be real, they're they're, they're centers there. <laughs> I, I'm okay with like with Davis because Davis plays. I I wanna I gotta go back and look at the numbers of of what his his share was at that position. But he he does still play a fair amount at a power forward. But I don't. How many minutes is Sabonis actually playing at the four? Yeah, no, Sabonis is, is such a five. Like, I don't know it has to be lower than ten percent. Yeah, like not even, not even close. Not even. Yeah, no, that was definitely a weird one when I saw that. I was kind of like, what? What? what, what, what did, they, did they just not have enough power forwards on this list that they had to show him in a power forward or something like that? So if we take him out, that makes Siakam a top three power forward in the league. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, he's at he's at, he was at twenty five, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, and I think that that's uh that is also an interesting thing to think about. Like, yeah, it seems kind of crazy. <laughs> Siakam, a guy who is on a Raptors team, we still have no idea what they're doing. A yeah. guy who is an All NBA, he's an All Star, fantastic player. Now he's a consider him really top three power forward. And then you look right behind him too, like two surprises. Lowry marketing would have been. Number four. Yeah. If I think back three years ago, Lowry Marketing being the fourth best power forward in the league, like I wasn't, wasn't even in the top 100 probably a couple of years ago. Yeah? No, not even close. And now he's in the top 30. So that's that's the cool thing about this list is it's a look like kind of like 
long term, like where people have ended up. And that's that's one one reason I, I can get behind it. So I, I don't hate it too much. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And then finishing out, obviously, the centers. We obviously know the top two, Jokic and Bede. That's that's totally fair. Then uh, number three, then it, it's it's Adebayo because because uh, AD and Sabonis are both list, listed as power forward. So Adebayo comes in at, at the three spot there in terms of centers in the league. Okay, well, who, th- this is a question then that I was thinking about. If if you make Sabonis the center, are you automatically going to say, okay, Sabonis or Bam? Sabonis over Bam? No, I think I'd still take Bam, but I think if AD mm-hmm. was a was okay. a center, I'd have AD over Bam. Got it. That that's fair. That that's fair. That that's the correct answer. I'd say, Bam over Cat is correct. Bam over Sabonis is correct. Is Sabonis over Cat correct? Probably yeah. In terms of what he yeah. how he facilitates a, a, the I game, agree. I think I think he's over there. Yeah, I agree. Cat's got some work to do. Just mm-hmm. li- li- that that's another I think utility of this list is you know are some of these listings correct and i, I think cat could have even slid a little bit further in my opinion yeah um, i agree especially but, after last year yeah um what are some like I, I i wanted to look at this list too and think about like um you know guys that are going to make this list look silly more silly than making Sabonis power forward which is already you know whatever this list means <laughs> um, are there any guys who look at this and they're obviously going to outplay their position? Well, one thing I will say is I saw the Paolo Bancaro got put in at the 30 spot. And I, I was looking at that and I was thinking, that's a that's a bold move there to put him up that much. I think there was a couple of guys just behind him where I'm like, uh, I think uh, maybe that's a maybe it's a bit quick to, to move him up that that much. Don't get me wrong, he could have a great sophomore year and really play up to that level, but I, I think that was a little bit high to to stick him in after the rookie year that he had. But in terms of guys who are going to play play the position, I think Zion's an obvious one. He dropped down to 57. I actually liked him when he dropped down because of all the injuries and the fact he's just not on the floor. So I was happy that he had dropped down. But you always know that if he plays, if he can play 60 games this year, people are going to talk about him as a difference maker. He's going to be one of the, one of the elite players in the in the NBA, and he's going to be a guy that really changes the fortunes completely of the or the New Orleans Pelicans. So he's definitely the obvious one for a guy that could really jump up this list to be a go from fifty seven to maybe probably top twenty. Oh yeah, oh yeah, like he's he's the guy that could easily outplay his position. It's just all about health, all about health. And compared to a guy like you know Ben Caro at thirty, where I think that's. That's like best case scenario. Your 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 sophomore season, you turn into a top thirty player. Um, I mean, maybe he becomes a top twenty five player, but I I don't mind I don't mind that, and I think that just goes to show you you play for Team USA that that does wonders for you. You, you yeah. have him yeah, at thirty, you have Mikael Bridges <laughs> at, at thirty three. I know you're just salty because Jalen Brunson wasn't over him. Oh, damn right, Jalen Brunson thirty two. Jalen Brunson where, and where, Randall. That like, like <laughs> maybe in the future, Bankero will be ahead of those, but. Him being ahead of Randall and and Brunson is is I think that's a bit bit crazy. I think this this season what we'll see we'll see some big things from him. Uh, but yeah, Zion at fifty seven easily easily is going to outplay that. Um, if he's playing, mm-hmm. he plays yeah. sixty games. He's outplaying that. Um, I got a couple of curious ones. Kristaps Porzingis at sixty two. I think he could be health as well. That's a, he's another guy that's it's health but. He's on the floor for the Celtics team. Yeah, he'll play. He'll, he'll play that hundred percent. Yeah, Ta- talking about a guy who is going to be a a uh, it, it's tough to, like Jalen Brown's obviously like one B right, one A one B, um, and I didn't even get to where he was positioned compared to a guy like Jamal Murray, um, but Kristaps Porzingis I think is is a top forty top thirty five player if the Celtics are where they want to be. And and I think that you know, just talking about preseason, just looking at what Porzingis is doing, uh, he easily could be that as long as he stays healthy, and he was healthy last year. I think he could definitely outplay that position. And if the Celtics are looking at another finals run at the end of the season, I think he, that's because he's a top forty player. That, that's what they're banking on. That's why they shifted everything around. And I think Celtics are looking at this and you know laughing. Chris Epps is going to be a fantastic player for them. Um, I agree. And another guy that's very polarizing, and maybe he's uh maybe he'll bleed into our uh our our fantasy sleepers discussion a little bit. 
Do you think that Jordan Poole at 72 oh, yeah. could have a crazy breakout season? Like you're you're on the Washington Wizards, you get to do pretty much whatever you want. What what's the best case scenario for a guy like him? I think people, in terms of individual, as a, an individual player performing to the highest level possible, like Jordan Poole could absolutely be right there, top thirty. I think he he can have that level of a bit of an individual season. Like he can okay. average twenty six points a game, shoot a high level from three. I don't know how much team success it will bring, but as an individual, I think he could have a really huge year in uh, in Washington. We're we're talking like like Trey Young esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe not in the system in terms of like points per game, and I think he'll he'll shoot more efficiently from three. I think uh, if he's having a twenty six point per game season, shoot maybe thirty six, thirty seven percent from three. I think, and maybe even like probably like four rebounds, five assists, or something like that. I think that's a that's a realistic year for a guy that is likely going to get the keys in Washington, and they're not really going to expect too much in terms of team success. So he was going to go out and play. Okay, all right. So running game seventy two to top thirty. Jordan Poole season loading. Kate Cunningham at 74. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. Obviously, another impact of of injuries, obviously, that, mm-hmm. that, that that's t- taking the toll there. I, I think he, he could play up to it. I think, obviously, there's a lot of pieces in, in Detroit. So maybe his he as an individual might not shine as brightly as he could. But I think in terms of position there, I think you're definitely looking at him and he'll be wanting to scratch the surface of, of at least at the top 40, top 45 of this season. Obviously, he's still a long way ahead, but he stays healthy this year. He can he could definitely play uh, play above that position. I'm way higher on Cade than you are, I think, because I, mm-hmm. I think that Cade Cunningham... Uh, I mean, th- there's a reason why um, and again, this is hyperbole, that why he's compared to, to some amazing players like Luca, like uh, Tatum. The way, like, what he has a chance to do on this Piston squad that is trying to build towards something this year. If you're gonna be telling me that Bankero is gonna be ranked at thirty, I want I want to see Cade up there, and I, I think Cade could easily be up there if he's facilitating a Detroit Pistons team that's trying to make a serious push this season. Um, and he he got cut short. He got cut short, like in twelve games, like being being. Uh, a kind of player that I think is going to average like 25, seven and seven, like honestly, like, like near triple double type numbers with the way he can rebound, the way he facilitates as a point guard, the way he can score three levels like that. That guy is nowhere near 74. Like he, he's going to blow that number way out of the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair. In terms of the playmaking that he can bring and, and if he's able to, to really bring that piston team together, then that that takes him uh, to an, uh, to another uh, to another another level then as well. And then finishing off, you got any last ones? One one last one I've got for you. I got Desmond Bain at sixty one. Yeah, I have that too. Yeah, I, I have that too. I'm looking at him and thinking, especially those twenty five games without without Jam around, it's going to be his team. He's going to be having the ball in his hands. He's going to be leading that offense. I think he could really really play above that level and really start to look like a him him being like a legit all-star level player in this game especially in that in that first that early run of the season oh yeah but like people think the grizzlies are gonna kind of sink down and they're regular they, they find ways to win and bain's gonna be a reason why they win and without jaw there like you said that that's gonna be it's gonna be on his head to do all these great things and i, I think he can shoot more he can shoot mm-hmm. more and marcus smart will see how, how marcus does to to get him in those right positions to be a true point guard for him. Cause when, when Marcus Smart is playing like a true point, like he's such a, such a great passer and mm-hmm. that's a guy that's going to help him out. Two guys real quick. Well, three rapid fire young guards that I think can outplay their position. Anthony Simons at 85 and his other blazer brother, Scoot Henderson at 78. They are, I think going to be one of my favorite league pass teams. I don't, that dynamic duo is going to be very, very exciting for me. Um, and Jalen Green at 80. Hmm. I'm I'm 50-50 on a Jalen Green um, breakout season this year, hmm. but nobody's talking about it. And, and I think that if it happens this season, you know, in his third season here, I, I really, I really think he's really got all the tools. It's just, it's just a matter of, you know, that, that experience. Did he get enough experience to put it all together to 
to approach the game the right way this season to pick his spots and that seems to kind of happen overnight for some players like that where it's like they they finally figure out how to really slow the game down and let it come to them and then all of a sudden they're just they're easily making like 24 points a game efficiently shooting like he's got probably the best the best opportunity to have a big big breakout season out of those three but i'm i'm looking at those guys i i think that scoot could surprise maybe he's even a rookie of the year candidate again that there's no competition against wemby but <laughs> what what we saw from preseason for him is exciting yeah no that's definitely going to be interesting obviously it's likely that it's it's Simons and and Scoot as the backcourt and probably Sharp coming off the bench, but you could probably possibly also see lineups where the three of them all play because there's they've got size there. But uh, yeah, in terms of those two guys as individuals, I think yeah they can definitely play above that. Obviously, Scoot's going to be uh, only a rookie, so it's kind of tough to really say he's definitely going to be way better than than that rank. But uh, I think Anthony Simons is someone that's shown a lot of promise, especially when he's played without Dame. So if he can build on that this year, then he could definitely play above that. Like you said with Jalen Green, it's obviously does it come together this year? Does it have a positive impact playing with a with a true point like Van Vliet, or does it kind of impact him a bit negatively? The moves that the uh, the Rockets have made, maybe in terms of just a mental side of it, does he still believe in himself to be the the star of this team, or does he kind of take it the take it the other way and think that they're trying to trying to consolidate and maybe not really uh, pursue him as, as the as the as the star guy for this team. But in terms of his head is right and obviously he's got a new great head coach in Imiadoka, which he hasn't had his first couple of years in the in the league, I think that's gonna have a real positive impact. And like you said, I think the potential is there to do it. But I think it's also equally uh likely that he could come out and have a fairly similar year that he had uh that he had last year. But there those are definitely interesting ones. The guards are all, always an interesting ones because there's just so many of them in the league and you never really know who's going to pop, but there's always that those couple of guys that you didn't fully expect uh, at the start of the year that really pop off, especially that's that's really happened in the last few years. I, I think this, this is a good time to, to kind of go into sleepers, if you will, because like looking at the top 100 and then looking at, you know, if you're preparing for an NBA draft and you want to get the best value, so you don't want to reach for guys, but when you're kind of coming to the end of the draft, you know, getting those those picks that is a guy that, is going to be end up being on the waivers three weeks later versus a guy who you're going to keep on your team and be happy you picked him. Those are super good value picks. So well, one guy I was thinking about is Scoot, and, and Scoot's outside the top 100. I want to say uh, most Yahoo rankings that usually have him around like one 112 to 120s, depending on, on where you're looking at in uh, category leagues. But if you're in the at the end, like the last few picks, maybe like uh, you know fifth, sixth round, and you have a chance to take a rookie like Scoot, don't overdraft him. But I think a guy like him is going to be awesome. Like his playmaking is on display and his shooting touch too. I think he's going to be a better three-point shooter than we gave him credit for. Um, he looks comfortable off the bounce and his form looks a lot better than it has. And just the flow of the game, you can tell that he's not really, he is ready to be a point guard and he's he's going to be able to to get those assist numbers. So I, I have him as a guy I'd be pretty excited to get if I can get him, you know, around the early hundreds. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair. He's obviously it's obviously you're always taking a little bit of a risk with a rookie, but at least you know he's going into a team where I think they have a clearer idea of what they want to do this year. Now that Dame is gone, there's going to be no pressure on them to really be competing. It's going to be a it's going to be a figure it out year, and I think that's exactly the kind of situation that Scoot needs. And like you say, you won't you don't want to go for him too early, but. If you can get him as a late pick, I think he's a guy to keep definitely keep keep on your watch list and keep an eye out for him as you go uh, as you go later in the draft. Who who you got? Who's who's your second guy? Um, sticking in like guys out, outside the top hundred. Um, for fantasy rankings, Jabari Smith Jr. at one twelve. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a getting, guy I'm he's really interested. A lot. He's getting tipped a lot to have a big year. Yeah, he can get you boards. He can get you blocks. We'll see about his steal numbers, but the three-point shooting I think is going to have an uptick this year. Like I, I think he's going to have a lot, a lot more opportunities shooting in this new system, and he's going to have, I think, a little bit more comfort off the bounce. I mean, he just in these past few, uh, you know, preseason summer league, just looking at how he's he's playing, he's playing with a lot more confidence shooting the ball, and I think it's going to translate into more opportunities than what he had last year. So it's it's one of those things where 
you kind of see how it goes for the first couple months after you draft him. But if you're drafting him in like the one twenties and the one teens, like that's, that's big value. Cause I think he can end up being a guy that produces for you both in defensive counting stats and as a shooter. And you don't, you don't find a lot of those guys. You don't find a lot of guys that are going to, to shoot well for you, get you threes and get you defensive numbers. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think he's being tipped to really have a really break breakout year, especially after struggling a lot in his uh, in his rookie campaign. Obviously, the new new coach, new a lot of new players in, in Houston. I think he's going to be a guy that people are going to forget about, and I think he's definitely one you can snatch up late and uh, and he can have a really big impact for for a lower level pick. I think he's one that you you really look at and think of. I'll be happy to keep in my team because I. I I didn't draft too high. I didn't like. I'm not going to expect him to be freaking averaging 25 and 10 or something this year. But I think as a lower level pick, I think he's definitely uh he's definitely legit. And who, who who's who's rounding out your your sleeper list then? All right, my last one, Keegan Murray at 133. Ooh, a no brainer. If if Keegan Murray is sitting in the 130s and no one's reached to take him, that is a no brainer. Even I would even take him really in the in the 120s, late one teens because. You know you're going to get threes from him. You know he's going to shoot at a super high clip. He's going to be a plus 40% three-point shooter. You know he's going to get rebounds. And the question for him is how many opportunities he's going to get. The Kings didn't make any major changes. I mean, I think Keegan Murray is going to be their potentially one of their major changes this year in his growth. How comfortable is he going to be scoring off the dribble? Maybe that maybe that makes him a little bit more inefficient, but you know his free throw shooting is going to be on point. He's going to be a high percentage shooter there. He's going to be a high percentage three-point shooter. And I think this year he's going to get more opportunities to score individually. So a lot of ways for him to grow. And the worst case scenario, he's a guy that's easily going to get you, you know, a handful of threes every game. Yeah, I think uh, I, I like that. I like that thought, especially if he takes that kind of extra leap. Because obviously he's he was an older player, but he had a really, really good impact on that Kings team. And a lot of people are kind of thinking, oh, he's not really going to get to to any any greater level than he was there. Uh, than he was already at, but I, I think there is the the potential for him to to get that to get that sort of jump, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him this year and the Kings as a whole. I think they're a team that not a lot of people are talking about after their great year last year. And people are kind of thinking, oh, the other moves that people have made, maybe they're going to drop off a little bit. I think they're still in a position where they can deliver, and I think Keegan Murray is going to be he's going to be a really a really key part of uh, of what that that Sacramento team are are trying to do and. If he really pops off, I think they're going to be looking and thinking maybe they're not going to be able to do it in the playoffs again. But in terms of regular season, I think they should still be aiming for a top three seed out there. And Keegan Murray is going to be a big part of that. Oh, absolutely. We move on. We move on to my guys now. I think mine, mine are, are a little bit more maybe realistic and not as big as sleepers as you've as you've gone for there. I think <laughs> mine are unrealistic. That's fair. That would that would make sense with the the teams I've drafted recently. Just a lot of <laughs> a lot of hopes and dreams on my on my teams. I go for for one that, that could go either way, but I think one way or another, he's going to be a solid pick. Now, don't jump on him too early, but Tyrese Maxey is a guy that I think he could end up going high in drafts, but I think if you can get him somewhere outside of the first couple of rounds and, and out, when when all the stars are gone and he's kind of like a first option there, I think I think that's a really good spot for him because especially if Harden leaves, He's definitely going to take that increased role. And even if Harden's still there, I, I expect to see more growth from him this year. Obviously, averaged 20 points per game last year, uh, shot over 40% from three. I think if Harden goes this year, I think you could look at him as a guy who's going to up his steal numbers. He's going to up his assist numbers. Not to anything crazy, but like five assists, maybe one and a half steals. He's going to be able to average like 23, 24 a game. And he's still going to shoot a high clip from three. The only worry you'd have from him a little bit, maybe if there's more production required from him maybe his fish he drops a little bit but in terms of what he can deliver and in terms of where you can get him in the draft i think he's definitely a he's definitely a smart pick yeah and like where where would he where would you be taking him what, what's what's a what's a reach well it's kind of hard like an hour one when we do it's kind of it's like price wise that, you, that you've, you're paying for these guys so like what what sort of what sort of realm are you, are you looking to get him in if you're getting him in like the I guess you're looking at if we can find him outside the like the top, what is it? Maybe top thirty, top thirty-five players. I think that's that's a great that's a great area if you can get him in that 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 realm. Maybe maybe that's a bit too chopping him a bit too low. But I think if you can get him in that area, then you're really then you then you then you're really cashed in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like fantasy wise, like he 
I think he could be a top, like, it's possible he could be a top 30 fantasy player if Harden leaves and he's got out. Because it's all been about opportunity for him. Like, if you if you look at his numbers when Harden's not there, he jumps. He doesn't, his his numbers go down a little bit, but he still stays efficient. He still stays, get, his assist numbers go up. His scoring shoots way up. And I I think he's a guy that if you're, yeah, if you're able to, to snag him, like in the, in the mid rounds, if, and if you're paying for him, like if he's if you get him for like twenty bucks in a in an auction draft, or if you're getting him in like the, you know, after like pick fifty ish or so, like you're you're getting a steal there. I mean, he's a guy that you know he's still gonna produce for you, even if Harden is still there. But then if Harden leaves, then that like the sky's the limit for this guy. Really. Yeah, see, that's that's a big that's a big switch there. Obviously, probably not gonna happen before the start of the season, so you might not have the. The option to bank on that, but I think banking on him leaving some at some point during the season is is, is probably fair, and I think that's when you can you'll really see Maxi explode. So definitely keep an eye on him. Then next guy is a guy that we we always tip to 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 take that step to be that 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 next uh, that next guy, and it's Alperin Sengun. Uh, mm. He had a really solid year last year: fifteen points, nine boards, uh, three point nine assists, uh, just under a steal and a block per game. I think this year he could really step up. I think he showed really nice growth last year, and I think we can see a similar sort of level this year. If wouldn't be crazy if he's either side of twenty points, either side of ten boards, up there around five assists, blocking a steal per game. He's going to deliver across the board. Three point shooting, maybe that that that's some an area that that might take a hit. But if you can get him in a in a similar sort of spot to Maxi, maybe even a little bit higher. I think he he's definitely a, a smart fit, especially as a fantasy player. Yeah, I I have a tough time with with Chengun in, in fantasy, at least. Like I I want I want to believe in what he's going to do this season. Mm-hmm. I'm a little concerned about Yudoka's presence there. Okay, is Yudoka going to want? Because dude, if if you have a coach there that wants to use Chengun as as an offensive hub, like this guy could dish, like this guy could be like a five assist per game kind of guy at least four, like four and a half assists per, per game kind of guy. Um, if Yudoka doesn't love him defensively, does his yeah. minutes take a cut? Does he start running small lineups out there? Um, like, I don't know, like like running Jabari Smith at the center, running Tari Eason at four. Um, then you're going to see his minutes take a cut. And then you kind of compare that. If if you have the option, you can take Shangun, Claxton, or Kessler. Are you taking Shangun? Yeah, when you say it like that, probably probably not. But I, I'm I'm gonna hope. I'm gonna lean towards the right angle and think out of the three of them, who's gonna deliver the most across the board? I I, I would still say it's it's Shengun, But like you said, the point you made there that would that would definitely make me a bit hesitant there, and maybe maybe go for a for a Nick Claxton, think of him as a as a lob yeah. threat and a block presence. He's got a higher ceiling. Like if if he if he can become like more of a facilitator. If he, I mean, are you believing that he grew up to seven feet? That actually happened. <laughs> maybe, maybe it did. Like, I mean, that, yeah. that's huge. I think a lot of times, like, he, he's got great position on the boards. He's just not, he's just got a couple inches less than these guys. Um, but yeah, I, I really want to believe in Chengun. And that, that would be a really fun pick, too, because he could really deliver across the board. Um, who else you got? One more, and a very interesting one. Now, this is the guy I would definitely urge not to bid too early on, but I think if you can get this guy, I think he could prove a real steal this year. Jaden McDaniels out in Minnesota. Yes, yes, yes. I, agree. I really like 100%. the the way his upside is this year. Obviously, last year he was, he was showed solid growth. 12, uh, 12 points, four boards, uh, one and one, 40% from three. I think it's not crazy to think of him being a guy that ups all those numbers across the board. Maybe like eighteen points per game, six boards, uh, one and a half steals and blocks per game, and still shooting that clip from three. He's a guy you're going to be able to get late, and he's going to be a guy that's going to be given more responsibility on both ends of the floor this year. And I think we're going to see a big step from him. So, in terms of a, a legit sleeper, he's not going to be a guy that's really going to kick off and be like a twenty-five point per game scorer and knocking down three threes a game or anything like that. But in terms of a value player that you're going to get late in the draft, I think Jaden McDaniels is definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, if that's like if that's like second to last pick, third to last pick, even if that's your last pick, that's I mean you you're really living large because I mean just look at his three three point percentage. That that's one thing that kind of holds him down. Like 
rookie year, 36% on three attempts, then ups it to 3.6 attempts, 31.7%. And just in terms of his form, like you, you can see on the floor, he looks more comfortable shooting. He shot 39.8% from three on 3.4 attempts last season. And you could just tell how much more comfortable he was on the offensive end. And defensively, too, if he's able to kind of get back to being more an off-ball defender, which the Timberwolves have talked about, his steal numbers are going to go way up, way up. Mm -hmm. He's only at 0.9 right now, but you know he loves to get in those passing lanes, and he's a guy that I think could deliver 1.2, 1.5 steals a game. And his blocks, one block a game. Like one block a game from the small forward position, that's tough to come by too. So defensive counting stats, three-point shooter, guy who's not going to be, you know, hawking too much. Uh, great rate steal. Yeah, he'll, he'll be a legit steal, especially if you get him, if you get him late, especially like you were saying there. So we'll finish it out then. One of us, each throw out one complete wild card that we think could definitely be a, a, a late pick, probably your last pick, but he could definitely uh, deliver big this year. Who you got? That was my guy. <laughs> That's why that was I was your guy. Okay, okay. James McDaniels was was my guy. Uh, like I, I really like the 12, 12, the counting stats, twelve points a game, four rebounds, one point two assists. I mean, those those are all things that I think he'll have more opportunity to to do some more uh, this season. But. Yeah, I mean, you, you that that's what I was excited. You you picked that out right out of my mouth. <laughs> I started for you. My 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 wild card is is Mark Williams out in the out in Charlotte. I think he could have a really uh, and a really steady jump this year, especially if Lamelo Ball is fit and and showing him showing him love. I think him as a rim runner and uh and a rim protector. I think he could definitely take a jump. Obviously, last year he averaged nine points, uh, seven boards. And a, and a block a game shot very, really efficiently because he's only going to be taking shots in and around the rim. Only started 17 games last year, only played in 43 of those. I think this year with Lamelo, and he takes that sort mm -hmm. of jump, he's given that license. He's the, the lead guy, the lead center for this team. He could be a guy that averages like 14 and 10 and a couple of blocks a game. I think he could really be a legit late, late, definitely a late pick now. Don't go jumping on him, but. In terms of a guy that could maybe fall in your draft and could definitely deliver solid numbers throughout the season, I think he's definitely a smart pick. Yeah, it, I think centers is it's a really hard one to to come by in fantasy sometimes because people hoard centers. Like yeah. everyone's snagging centers left and right, and sometimes you're you're left like with your your Daniel Gaffords of the world and your your Mitchell Robinsons of the world, which you know it's it, it's fine, but. They, they don't really go too high and Mark you Williams knocking is, Mitchell Robinson. Okay. Well, dude, Mitchell Robinson, like we'll, we'll have like three great games and then do nothing for like two weeks straight. It, he, he's offensive he's such, boards and blocks. He gets that, he gets that done there. He's such a frustrating fantasy player sometimes because, because you know, he could do more of it. Sometimes he just doesn't get the minutes. Um, but I think Mark Williams could be like a night in night out type of guy. And if you're getting him like the, the last pick, or even if you're just like, watching him on the waiver wire like he's a guy that um you know it, i'm thinking out loud like him and jalen duran i'm keeping an eye on both mm -hmm. those guys those guys who um you know second year in the league centers have a tough time as rookies but just kind of getting the feel for the game like th those guys start to really come on in terms of defensively their block potential getting more rebounds um i'll, I'll mention one last guy if we're talking about centers that i think about if clint capella gets traded i am i am taking Onyeko Okamu so fast. Oh, yeah. 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 That, that that guy, I, I've been waiting for him to get the potential to, to really have full run with his team. He hasn't really had the chance to be, like, the guy at the center position. But, yeah, Mark Williams, I, I do like that. He, he, has, he has potential here, especially if Lamelo is healthy and especially if Lamelo really starts to figure out the, the pick-and-roll game out. Yeah, 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 definitely for sure. I think, uh, obviously, let us know. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you think of any other sleepers that might uh... – that might be smart to pick up in the draft. Let us know how your draft goes. Comment that below and uh, keep keep us up to date. But definitely, definitely keep an eye on those guys. It's always it's always fun when you think of, when you when you make that snatch of a late pick and, and it ends up uh, doing the business for you. But before we finish up, we have a finish off with a little bit of fun, a little bit get back to a little bit of NBA. Guess who? One of our one of our one of our games. We always have fun doing this. So Chris, we I think we got we got two each today. I think I'll let, I'll let you start off. Let's see let's see how I get on. All right. So, I am the only player last season to average three blocks, one steal, and make 35% on my threes. Who am I? 
Miles Turner. Ooh, that's not yes. No. I played for Michigan State. Uh no. You know, you I told you this before, you know my college knowledge. Unless they play for like Duke, I like I haven't got a clue who any of these guys are. No, no, that's not I'm gonna have to take another that's not gonna help me. Oh come on, man. Michigan State. I I'm, I didn't give you some random ass college. It's just gonna be yours. I won defensive player of the year last year. God, how am I blanking on that? Here's here's a layup. Oh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay. <laughs> okay. You gave you gave me that. You gave me that on a platter there. That was uh, that was very nice of you. Man, I, I actually I almost blanked them when you said defensive player. Like, who the hell won defensive player? No, it's the here? worst. I had to do that to you because you brought up some of these award kind of candidates, and it's funny how quickly they leave your brain. They they really do. I don't I don't remember those. Yeah, no. If I, when you first said defense by rear, I thought you were going to say like uh, like 2018 or something. I was like, oh, shit, I'm definitely not <laughs> going to know this. <laughs> that's good. That's going to be crazy. Right. No, that's, that's, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Jackson, you yeah, one, one point for that one. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take my one point and, and I'll run. I'm glad I got it. When I was when I heard that Michigan State one, I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm out, I'm out here. Okay, my guy. I was drafted number 13 overall out of Kentucky. Not not last year. That was just that was just when he was when he was uh what position and, and where he was drafted from. Okay, I think there's actually two guys that went thirteen. There's literally two guys. It, Let me get one guess though. There's, <laughs> oh, that's so that's so unfair. There's two guys that were drafted thirteen. Devin Booker is the right answer. Let's go. <laughs> I think I'm. I think Tyler Hero was drafted thirteen. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check myself. I have my head. In my head, he was like eleven, but I think he could be right. Well, I'll I'll snag those uh those four points there. He was picked thirteenth. That's why he got okay. compared. All right, so I had a 50-50 chance there. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm glad. Well, I'm actually no, I'm not glad. I'm disappointed that you picked the right <laughs> one. <laughs> All right. You got it. You got to hit it on uh at least the second. Yeah. I was the. 2020 high school player of the year best player in the country in 2020 going into my recruiting class and i was the only five-star recruit for oklahoma state that they've had besides marcus smart high school thing is is is, that's that's clicking with me somewhere but yeah it should like this this guy was this in 2020 this is gonna be the best player in college, and this is gonna be the consensus number one overall pick in twenty twenty one. Yeah, see, buddy, I, I kind of just gave away the, the 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 clue of of that. You're supposed to kind of think about it. And yeah, oh, man, it's not it's not gonna click with me. Okay, you got you're gonna have to give me another right, one. Oh, I'm, I'm shooting one. for I'll, the tie here. I'll I'll cut off a whole conference. He plays in the Eastern Conference. Twenty twenty one. It's not Cade Cunningham. It is Cade Cunningham. It is Cade Cunningham. Okay. When you when you said he was projected to be the number one, I was kind of thinking. Then I was like, Ooh, did he not go at number one? Okay. All right. Okay. Four. So it I'm is now tied. Now. So it is I need, now tied. I, I need you. I need you to not get the answer here. <laughs> okay. This is actually this. Uh, this could be an interesting one for you. This yeah. This is going to be interesting. I mean, I'm excited to see if you if you get this one. Okay. Okay, so I won a ring in the Western Conference, but I now play for a team in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> that has to be so many people. Wait, okay, so so I won a ring. Last five years. I won a ring with a Western Conference team, and okay. I now play for an Eastern Conference team. And I'll play for an Eastern Conference team. Um, um Within the last five years? Mm-hmm. Like shorter than five years, just any time. Okay, um, okay, that could be so many people running. You know how many people at the end of the bench? Is this a bench player, or is this a, or is this a within a six man? Is this a six man? No, starter? Stop asking for this. this, this no, no, okay, please. but is, is this a technicality, or did he actually play? Did he actually like play for he, this ring? He, he, he did play. He did play. Okay, this right. isn't this isn't like uh, what what what's his face uh. That random guy from Golden State that went to the Raptors that I don't even remember anymore. I'm gonna say Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is not the answer, but I'll put it the other way. He's come off the bench in 75% of his career games, but he would still be considered one of the most important players on his team. 
Um, I. That's your second clue. Is he comes off the bench seventy five percent of the time, but so he's like a six man, very important six man rotation kind of guy. Played in the Western Conference. So was he a Laker? Was he... Within the last five years, I'm gonna be pissed if it was like last year. Bruce Brown? Not it is not Bruce Brown. No, no. I was an undrafted guard in 2016. Undrafted guard in 2016. 2016. Um, oh. Okay. An undrafted guard in 2016 who won a championship in the Western Conference. Is he a, a Laker? I want to say he's a... In 2016. Um. All right. Okay. I'm going to go with an undrafted guard. You're killing me. You know this. You know this deep down. All right. So in 2016, I I got. You know, it's funny. I always have to think about like the the relationship between like with what uh what I was doing at the time. So in 2016, I just graduated college. So what kind of fantasy team did I draft in college? What 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 players were I looking at? Undrafted guy, undrafted guy, 2016. Put it this way, maybe, maybe not, maybe not a fantasy player. <laughs> I was assuming not. Yeah, that's that's tough, man. I think I might have to take the L. Will I give I... you the layup? Will I give you the layup for final clue? Yeah, for no I, points. For no I'm, points. I'm bold. Oh man, it's Alex Caruso. How it did is I... Alex Caruso. <laughs> I told you, man, you knew it deep down. Your- I knew it was a Laker, and I just could not pull it out of me. He now plays for Chocolate Clippers. 2016. Caruso is, is a funny player because he's the kind of guy that you feel like has been around forever, also because he's bald. But he, he just, he's never, yeah, he, he's just, he was immediately a player that mattered, and you just forget that he was undrafted. You forget he, forget that he won a championship with him. All right, you got me with that. Are we gonna I take can't, a tie? You pulled off the tie. Are we going to take a tie there? I, I, I have one more. I, I, can, I can give you the win here if you want to t- try and take it. No, we'll, we'll, we'll do it next time. I'll, I'll keep it fair. We'll, we'll, we'll all right, that, we'll that take, was good. We'll go Caruso was a fair player. That was a fair player. That was a yeah. fair one. I'm glad, um, I'm glad I was able, to, I was able to, uh, to, to, to freak you out with that one and you didn't get that right. I'll take the tie. I didn't lose. I'm okay with that. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to Chris for joining me. As always, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you hit us up wherever you get your podcast. We are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. Most importantly, remember to take every shot and love every moment.